This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon offered on the fifth Sunday of Easter, May 2nd, 2021, at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Roanoke, Alabama. The principal texts for the sermon are Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, Philip encountering the Ethiopian eunuch, and John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, the passage that begins, I am the true vine. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I have never been much of a gardener. I'm not the sort of person that, like, kills every plant that finds its way into my care, but I don't actively seek plants out to be responsible for them. But when I moved to Birmingham, I bought a house in the Avondale neighborhood. It's a great 1929 craftsman home that had been renovated and updated. And one of the previous owners very carefully redid the landscaping. And as part of that, they included multiple rose bushes and rose vines. Now, the most striking, there's two of them that everybody always notice, is at the front of the house, there is a rose vine that's been carefully trained to grow in an arch over the front steps leading to the front door. And then in the back, there are actually two vines that have been trained to grow up over an arbor, um, over a, a back sort of swing that is there. Every April or May, The roses put on quite a show with their first bloom. It fills the front porch and the whole backyard with the smell of roses. And for seven years, I have done my very best not to kill these rose bushes. (laughs) I have Googled. I have talked to my neighbors that are gardeners. I have been guided on how to sort of train the vines and which ones to prune and which ones to let go. And so far, as we speak right now, they are putting on the 2021 edition of their springtime show of making quite a spectacle of themselves. But this past fall, I had to have some work done to my house that was going to put my knowledge and care of these rose vines to the test. I had to put a new roof on the house. And while we were doing that, I also had the house painted, which meant that these rose vines that had been there um, for at least 10 or 15 years were going to have to be removed away from the house in a safe manner. So, I got on Google, I talked to my neighbors that were gardeners, and the general consensus was that as long as the main vine that supports the whole thing is flexible enough and that we move it to where we take care that the main vine does not break, the rose bushes will be fine. So the day came, the painters arrived, we carefully 
undid the trellis from the side of the house and we bent this big vine that's been at the front of my house since before I moved in forward and laid it sort of gently the edge of it onto the grass. The painters painted the house. Everybody took great care not to break the main section of the rose bush. And when the work was done, to my amazement, they stood it back up. We reinforced its sort of supports on the house. We've waited six months, and sure enough, here come the roses right on schedule. I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus' instructions for gardening are an important reminder to the church. It reminds us who we really are and what is really holding things up. It's not us, it's the vine, which is Jesus Christ. We are just the branches. All that we do in church, all of our worship, all of our mission and outreach, all of our programs, all of our singing and preaching, everything springs from the vine of Jesus Christ. And that also means, as Jesus said, if something doesn't bear fruit, it needs to be pruned. As much as Episcopalians like to talk about how we have always done things in a certain way, Jesus makes it very clear that the community that he envisioned would be one that would grow and change. And we can do that. We can be that adaptable because we spring forth from a vine that is strong and flexible and that will not break. The image of the vine and pruning is a very popular one right now in the church. As the church emerges from the pandemic, there are lots of questions and invitations to consider what needs to be pruned from our shared life. We're invited to consider what were we doing pre-pandemic that maybe was just a lot of noise and bluster but wasn't bearing fruit and to prune it so that we can focus on those things in a post-pandemic world that will bear much fruit. I do think the question of pruning is important. But one thing that I have learned from very cautiously and timidly tending to some rose bushes is that there's another question that needs to be asked if we are really to be receptive to change. And that question is, what, in addition to being pruned, what should be left to let run wild? Just a little bit. What needs to be left alone so it can grow a little bit further into a place that you're not quite sure if it's going to work or not, but that it gets to stretch out and get a little bit more sun? All through Easter, we get these fantastic readings through Acts, right? We don't read the Acts of the Apostles enough in worship. We cram it all in 50 days, right? But we get these wonderful stories of the early church. And this is a time when the church wasn't pruning things back. It was a time when the Holy Spirit was saying, go wild, right? Go wild by preaching Jesus Christ crucified. It's a church that is living in the very shadow of the reality of the resurrection. And so we get these amazing stories of the early church. And we get one of my favorite ones this morning. 
This is Philip encountering the Ethiopian eunuch on the wilderness road. And I think maybe to sort of understand what's going on, we need to understand where we are in the story of Acts, right? Jesus has ascended into heaven. And as or right before he's being lifted up, he tells his apostles, you will go be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that you can do this, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit shows up and finds the apostles and Jesus' disciples still in the upper room in Jerusalem, waiting to be empowered. And so the Spirit comes and that leaves, leads Peter and them out into the city to preach and to heal. But it's not until the death of Stephen One of the seven that was called, we call them deacons typically now, it's not until Stephen is stoned to death at the gates of Jerusalem that suddenly the Christian church is like, well, we maybe need to get out of town, right? And the Holy Spirit snatches up Philip, another one of the seven, and sends Philip out into Samaria. And when he gets there, he goes to Samaria, right? We know Samaria is where the Good Samaritan comes from. We know that Samaria and Jerusalem don't necessarily get along. And Philip finds himself in Samaria and he preaches and people believe him and he baptizes them. And then the Holy Spirit grabs him up again and says, go out the wilderness road. And that's where he encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a lot of detail packed into the description of this character, the Ethiopian eunuch. He is a powerful official of the Queen of Ethiopia. He's got money. He's traveling, you know, in sort of he's often depicted as traveling in a carriage with sort of an entourage with him. I kind of think Philip is walking down the wilderness road, not quite sure why he's there or what's going on, sees the Ethiopian eunuch and probably just wants to keep scooting right on by. But then the Holy Spirit says, you need to go over there and talk to that man. And what Philip finds when he talks to the Ethiopian eunuch is that the man is there studying the prophet Isaiah And all he wants in that moment is for someone to read the scripture with him so that he can understand it better. And so Philip does that. And he finds in that invitation a time to witness to Jesus Christ and to all that he's experienced in Jerusalem. And when Philip walks over and sits down next to the Ethiopian eunuch, I have to think that he knows exactly every rule that he is breaking by doing so. The Ethiopian eunuch is an outsider from a different country. He is religiously different than Philip. He is racially different than Philip, ethnically, sexually. Everything about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is the opposite of each other, except for the fact that they want to experience Jesus Christ. There are plenty of reasons for Philip to keep going, but the Holy Spirit says, no, I need you to go there. So after Philip has shared the good news, it's the eunuch's idea to be baptized. It's the Ethiopian eunuch that looks at Philip, that looks at the early church and says, there is water there. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Now, Philip could have said, I got to run back to Jerusalem. We have a committee for this sort of thing. You're very different. I'm not quite sure. But Philip's only answer, because he is trusting the wildness of the Holy Spirit, is to say yes. 
And he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. And then my favorite detail of the story is in that moment, Philip is snatched away again by the Holy Spirit. And the eunuch goes on rejoicing. Now, for most of us, that's the last that we will ever hear or think of the Ethiopian eunuch. He gets to leave on a happy note, having been baptized, having experienced the wildness of the Holy Spirit and being preached and witnessed to about Jesus Christ crucified and risen. But the rest of the church tells an even more amazing story. The Ethiopian eunuch by the second century is understood to actually have a name. We've left him nameless in our scripture, but in the Christian church in Ethiopia, he is known as Simeon Bacchus and is known as the apostle to that country. It gets even better. If you remember, Jesus said that you're going to witness to me to the ends of the earth. Well, do you know where the ends of the earth were if you were a first century Palestinian Jewish person? It was Ethiopia. That's where the maps stopped. And so Philip, in following the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness road to his encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, this person so different and other than he was, successfully gets the witness of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. It's an important reminder that while careful pruning and shaping is valuable, we also need to let some things grow wild. Following the Holy Spirit down that road, Philip reaches the ends of the earth. And long before our Celtic ancestors discovered their cultural expressions of Christianity that would happen when Rome would finally bring Christianity to the British Isles, long before European colonizers would bring Christ back to the African continent, the church in Ethiopia took root and was in existence right along with the church that would go to the Council of Nicaea and make the creeds of the ancient church. Simeon Bacchus, as he is known, or the Ethiopian eunuch, as he is known to us, followed that wildness of the Spirit back to his own people, preached Christ crucified, and founded a church that currently has over 30 million members. It is amazing what can happen when we let something run just a little bit wild. Yes, sometimes we need to prune some things back. Sometimes we need to let some things go. But sometimes we need to trust that the true vine that is Jesus Christ is strong enough and flexible enough that we can stretch and grow in new places and in new ways. It is in moments of wildness that the Holy Spirit is best over, able to overcome our differences. It is in moments of wildness that we preach Christ crucified and can answer that there is no reason why you shouldn't become part of our community, why you shouldn't be baptized in Jesus. It is in moments of wildness that the world says to us, we believe what you are telling us and here is water. Why can't we be baptized? And we say, let's jump in feet first. As we emerge from the pandemic, there are things that we should let go of. But there are absolutely things that are springing forth from the vine of Jesus Christ that we should let grow and run wherever they may. And I hope that the story of the Ethiopian eunuch who now has a name, Simeon of Bacchus, encourages us to see what fruit can be born when we let something just run its course and follow the Holy Spirit. 
Simeon of Bacchus is being put forward to general convention to be added to our calendar of saints that we observe in the Episcopal Church. It's part of a process of filling out our calendar of saints that better match sort of the different, the uh, diversity of people that make up our church and also bring in our brothers and sisters from the Eastern tradition that have for so long celebrated people like Simeon. And they've written a collect that if Simeon gets added to the calendar that we would use that I think is particularly good for this moment of emergence from the pandemic, this moment where we can not just prune things to bear more fruit, but we can let things grow wild. So I offer that to you today. Let us pray. Holy One of Love, you called your servant Simeon Bacchus to study your word and led him to the waters of baptism, making him your evangelist to Ethiopia. Give us the grace to follow where you lead, overcoming the barriers that divide and diminish your people that we may behold you in all your glory through our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.